Hi, I want to welcome you to Hope for Our Times. I'm Don Perkins. Tonight I'm sitting in for Pastor Tom Hughes, and it is always an honor and a privilege uh, to be with you. Uh, tonight I have a wonderful message entitled, The Judgment Seat of Christ. We're going to actually look at uh, the judgment seat of Christ where we as believers will literally be judged uh, by Christ. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful, uh, exciting uh, study. Now what I'm going to do, I'm going to pull up my prophecy chart here. And again, this is a chart of time. Uh, and you, you look at the screen there, you're going to see a red circle there. This first red circle represents the judgment seat. And this is what we're going to be dealing with tonight. Now, there's another judgment. You see the other red uh, uh, circle there, uh, oval. Uh, that is called the great white throne judgment. Now, these are two distinct or different judgments uh, in the scriptures. And again, we're going to cover a, a lot of things there. So uh, I just want to, again, want to thank you. And, and again, just... Uh, 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 if they bring me back, bring me back in the screen. Yeah, I, I want to thank you guys for being uh, here tonight, and we're going to look at some wonderful things. Now, uh, what I want to do, I want to start off with, with two scriptures, okay? So I'm going to bring the first scripture into the screen. Uh, it's found in the book of Romans, chapter 14, verse number 10. The apostle Paul wrote, he says, But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we must all uh, stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, this is a judgment we're going to learn about tonight that every born again believer will stand before. You will give an account for what you've done uh, as a believer uh, when you stand before Christ. Now, I'm going to give you one more verse. I'm going to bring it to the screen. This is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse number 10. The apostle Paul wrote again. He said, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every man, everyone may, uh, may receive the things done in his body according to that which he have done, whether it be good or bad. Now, I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to explain what does that mean, the good or bad term. But both of these verses here let us know that there's coming a time in our future that we as believers, we will literally uh, be judged by Christ. Now, people say, well, Brother Perkins, I thought I was already judged. I thought uh, at Calvary's cross my sins were judged. Well, you are correct. Your sins were judged at Calvary. But this judgment is totally different, and we're going to talk about that. Now, I'm a topical teacher, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a number of topics. We're going to look at, first of all, what is the judgment seat of Christ? We're going to look at who will be judged at this time. We're going to see the promise of rewards for service. We're going to look at the time frame of the judgment. Then we will look at how will Christ judge at this time. Then we will see rewards that we can obtain uh, at the judgment seat. And then last, I'm going to close up looking at the differences between the judge, uh, the two judgments are the great white throne judgment versus the judgment seat of Christ. Now, again, we're going to look at some beautiful things, some beautiful uh, uh, scriptures. And, and the, I mean, we're going to look at some wonderful things. So what I want to do, I want to first define uh, what is the judgment seat of Christ? And again, uh, I'm going to show you uh, what it is. I mean, it, it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, teaching uh, that, again, all of us need to understand. So what is the judgment seat of Christ? The judgment seat of Christ will be the judgment given by Christ to his saints. At this judgment, the saints of God will receive or lose rewards. The judgment seat of Christ will not be the uh, judgment of condemnation or one of eternal damnation for those who lose rewards, but rather a rewarding for their service as Christians. Those who are blessed to receive rewards at this judgment will receive crowns and dominions of authority uh, uh, in Christ's millennial kingdom. This judgment will only be for Christians. No sinners will appear at this judgment. All through the scriptures, Christ has promised rewards for those who overcome. 
the judgment seat of Christ will be the place where these rewards uh, will be given out. Now, we as believers, as Christians, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, our sins have already been judged judiciously. This judgment seat of Christ is totally different. This has nothing to do with your sins. Uh, this has to do with your service, your labors as a believer. And, you know, I love this message because what this message actually does, uh, to me, it makes, it makes you accountable as a believer. Uh, because you, you, you must understand that, that your life, your walk with God, uh, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to count in heaven. Uh, God will look at your works. Jesus will look at your works as a Christian after salvation. Uh, some people say, well, I'm saved now and I will no longer ever be judged. And therefore, they live their life just like that. Well, if you understand that what you do, even as a Christian in regards to your works, will stand before heaven, it gives you a totally different uh, perspective. Now, I want to quote from a, a book called The Judgment Seat of Christ uh, by L.S. Harris. Listen to what he says in regards to the judgment seat. He says, in the Grecian games in Athens, the old arena contained a raised platform on which the president or the judge of the arena sat. From here, he would reward all contestants, and here he would reward all winners. It was called the Bema, or reward seat. It was never used as a judicial bench. The judgment seat of Christ will not be a judgment of eternal damnation. Uh, for those who lose rewards, uh, they will still have the gift of salvation purchased for them by the blood, uh, blood of Christ. The scriptures declare that Christ, uh, that in Christ, that there is no condemnation. And this is so true. Uh, this judgment, again, I want to establish and I want to set, I want you to understand, uh, I want you to understand that, that this judgment is not a judgment of condemnation. Uh, as a matter of fact, as a believer, you know, as a Christian, the Bible says in Romans 8 uh, verse 1 that there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ who walk not uh, after the flesh, but uh, after the spirit. And then as a born again believer, uh, John 5, 24 says, Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me have everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So when you're born again as a Christian, you, you, you pass from, from death unto life. Uh, you pass from the condemnation of the judgment of your sin. But as a believer, your works will stand before God. Jesus will, uh, Jesus will judge your works. And again, uh, we're going to see some beautiful things. Now, I want to move a step further in our study this evening. We're going to look at who will be the judge at this time. Now, again, I, I think the name itself gives it away. Who will be the judge? Uh, this is called the judgment seat of Christ. So therefore, our Savior, Jesus Christ, I believe will will preside over this uh, particular judgment. Uh, and again, you, you want to stand before Christ. Uh, at the judgment seat, and you do not want to stand before God at the great white throne. Uh, what we're going to find out as we go forward in this study, that all who appear at the great white throne judgment will be condemned and eternally lost and damned. Uh, there's no hope of salvation for those that appear before the great white throne. So you definitely want to appear before the judgment uh, seat of Christ. Now, I want to give you a verse here found in the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse number 30. Jesus said this, he says, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, he said, I, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, 
but the will of the Father that have sent me. Now, Jesus said that his, his judgment is just. And again, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We will literally give account. He's going to know everything that you've done as a believer. Uh, you won't be able to say, well, Lord, I, I didn't know. No, he's going to know everything you've done. He's going to know your motives, your, your attitudes uh, behind what you have done. He's going to hold you accountable. Now, in light of that, I want to quote from another wonderful book. It's called The Believer's Payday uh, by Dr. Paul Benware. Listen to what he says in regards to the judgment. He said, the judge uh, at this coming judgment seat is the Lord himself. Concerning this particular judgment of believers, the apostle Paul calls, the judgment, calls it the judgment seat of Christ. Jesus himself declares that his judgment will be just and in harmony with the will of the Father. Jesus will judge righteously and fairly and with complete knowledge because he is God. In the end, there will be no denial that Judge Jesus will be absolutely accurate in his assessment. Again, when we stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, uh, he's going to know everything that you've done, every motive behind what you've done. You know what this does for me, saints? This really gives me... Um, uh, a hard attitude of, of making sure that whatever I'm doing for the kingdom, I have a right heart and motive behind it. You know, uh, uh, the Bible talks about us uh, looking circumspect in our lives. You know what I mean? Uh, we need to really look and judge ourselves. The Bible says, judge yourself that you be not judged. Uh, many Christians are going to stand before Christ and they're going to be made ashamed, believe it or not, at the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to say as we go forward that some Christians, although they're saved and born again, they're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and they're going to lose rewards uh, as a believer. Now, let's go a little forward. And what I want to do, I want to look at now the promises for rewards of service. Now, what's amazing about this, and we're going to see this in a few minutes here. Uh, what's so beautiful about, about this is that, you know, Jesus did not, he didn't, he didn't need to give us anything else. Uh, he's given us salvation. He's given us life. And I, I've heard people say, well, you know, I don't need any rewards. I mean, now that I'm born again, I have eternal life and Jesus has given that to me and I'm excited about it. Well, that's true and, and that's good. But guess what? On top of salvation, God has set before us rewards that we can obtain. And we'll learn a little, little bit more about those rewards in a little bit. But I just want to show you that God is a rewarder for our service. And again, this is amazing. So I'm going to bring a scripture in the book of Hebrews 610. Look at this. The, the writer of Hebrew wrote this for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye, which ye have shown toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. I love this verse. The scripture tells us here that that Jesus will. I mean, God will not forget our work and labor of love. He won't forget your service, your duties, what you do for Christ, what you do for God. He will not forget it. He will reward your labors because he realized what you've done for him. You know, when you give up and you sacrifice and you spend time to do what God's called you to do, uh, that's going to stand in the portals of heaven. Uh, when you do what God has required you to do, it's going to stand in heaven. Now, I'm going to give you another verse. Look at this one. I love this one. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. Uh, Jesus said, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Jesus said, rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now look at this. 
He said, Jesus said that he said, if you are persecuted and, and you and you endure and you rejoice during that time, Jesus said, guess what? Great is your reward in heaven. Listen, whatever you go through for the kingdom of God, you will be rewarded for it in heaven. You know, don't 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 give in. Don't throw in the towel. Hang in there because the Bible has promised rewards for the believers, rewards for those who who endure and for Christians that go through these 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 uh, difficult times. Now, let me give another verse here. This is found in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse number 12. Jesus speaking again. This is one of the promises that he left to the church. He said in verse 12, he said, and behold, Jesus said, I come quickly. Uh, this is this is Revelation 22 at the end when he's talking about, you know, uh, uh, the new heavens, new earth. He said he closed it out by saying, uh, and behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. You will be rewarded as a Christian for your labor, for your service, for what you do for Christ. What you do will stand in the portals of glory. Uh, 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 we're going to see again, there are crowns you can obtain. I'm going for the crowns. And the reason why I'm going for those crowns, because I want to have those crowns that I can lay back. Uh, I can lay, I can give them back to him, but lay them at his feet as my gift to him because he's given me salvation. He's given me a call in my life uh, beyond salvation to, to do his bidding in the earth. And I'm so honored and privileged as a, as a, as a, as a son, of, son of God. I'm, I'm honored to be called. And I want to make sure I have a right heart and a right motive behind what I'm doing uh, because I know it's going to stand in heaven. Now, let's go a little further. And we're going to look now at the time frame of this judgment. The time frame of this judgment. So again, I want to bring in my prophecy chart here. And you see the arrow? You follow the arrow here. Now we're in what's called the church age. Uh, the next event on God's major, on God's calendar is that event called the rapture of the church. And I do believe that when the church is raptured, we are going into the judgment seat. Are we going uh, into heaven to appear at the Bema seat judgment? And uh, I want to give you a little verse here. You're going to see it come in the screen here. This is found in the gospel of Luke chapter 14, verse 14. The scripture reads, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. This judgment will occur immediately following the rapture of the church. Our Lord stated in this verse that he would recompense or reward the just at the time of their resurrection. The rapture of the church will be the resurrection of the just and the saints who are alive at that time and will be caught up. So again, I believe the rapture, I mean, after the rapture, uh, I believe once the church is raptured, uh, I believe that that we will be uh, uh, ushered into the the Bema seat uh, throne room. And therefore, we will give an account for our works as believers, uh, as Christians. And God's going to Christ going to judge us now. Let's go a little further in the study because we're covering a lot of things and I'm, 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 I'm clocking pretty fast here, but I want to give you this. How will Christ judge at this time? How will he judge at this time? And again, uh, uh, I'm going to quote here from a wonderful book. Uh, this book is called Notes and Reflections on the First and Second Epistle of First Corinthians. Uh, it's quoting uh, Arthur uh, uh, Prodham. And listen to what he says in reference to how Christ is going to do this. He says, a, a saint will never again come into judgment on account of his natural or inherited iniquity, for he is already uh, dead judiciously with Christ and is no longer known or dealt with on the footing of his natural responsibility. As a man, he has been weighed and found wanting. He was born under condemnation to a natural heritage of wrath. 
and nothing good has been discovered in his flesh. Now, again, how many can agree with me that there's nothing good in your flesh? I don't care how, how saved you think you are. There's nothing good in your flesh. Uh, that's one reason why we're going to be resurrected, I mean, uh, uh, raptured and glorified. He's going to deal with that, that sin that's in the flesh and nature. But I want to go on with his quote. And look what he goes on to say in the, in the, in the, in the latter part of the quote. He says, in regards to uh, this, this, this believer, he says, but his guilt has been obliterated by the blood of his Redeemer, and he is freely and justly pardoned for his Savior's sake. Because Christ is risen from the dead, he is no longer in his sins. He is justified by faith and, uh, his, uh, and is presented in the name and on the merits of the just one before God. And of this new and ever blessed title to acceptance, the Holy Spirit is the living seal uh, uh, and witness into judgment. Therefore, on his own account, he, uh, he cannot come. So again, uh, the judgment seat is different. Okay, when you stand before the judgment seat, you are standing there. Now you're going to be judged for your works after salvation. You're not judged because uh, you know uh, of your sins. I mean, because that's already been dealt with at Calvary. As a matter of fact, uh, the way you get to heaven is because you you're born again. Uh, I'm going to heaven not because I'm a good I'm a good person. Now, I'm a good person, but I'm not going to heaven because I'm a good I'm a good man. I'm going to heaven because what Jesus did for me at Calvary. Now at the judgment seat, though. Uh, as a believer now, and I, I'm just going to keep reiterating this because I want you to understand the judgment seat of Christ. Christ is going to judge me based on my service after salvation, based on what I, what I do and what I've done for him, uh, the kind of motive and the kind of heart that I have. So, again, we're looking at how will Christ judge at this time. So what I want to do here, I want to give you a, a few verses here, and they're gonna come, I'm going to bring them in the screen and talk a little bit about it and bring them back into the screen. But I want you to understand that every believer will Every believer uh, will be required to present good works. Now, some people say, well, brother, I'm saved, you know, I'm saved by grace and it's not of works. Let's say any man should boast. That is true. You are saved like that, but we're not talking about salvation. We're talking about your works as a Christian. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to bring a number of scriptures into the screen showing you that, that God is looking for good works from you as a believer. So I'm going to bring the first verse in. It's found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Look what Paul wrote. He said, we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared before that we should walk in them. Listen, listen, saints, listen, we have been created as God's workmanship. You're born again now, you're God's workmanship. But guess what? You are created in Christ for good works. See, the way I know a good Christian by his works, your works should be testifying that you're a Christian. You know, the scripture says that we are written epistles known and read of men. Your life is representing the Bible. I know I'm going to say this. What translation of the scripture is your life representing? Because we should be exhibiting good works. The Bible says we've been created as his workmanship. Now, I'm going to give you another verse. I'm going to bring it into the screen. This is Titus chapter 2, verse number 14. Paul wrote again, he says, And purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Now, you're a Christian. As a believer, as a Christian, the Bible says, you, you know, we, we, uh, he has purified himself, a peculiar people. We are born again believers. We are peculiar people. But guess what? As pe peculiar people in Christ, we should be zealous 
of good works. We should, we should exemplify good works. Good works should be a part of our character. It should be a part of our label as a Christian. Uh, uh, we should exemplify good works. Uh, this is what God is looking for. We have been, we've been called, okay? Now, I'm going to bring in another verse. I love this next one. This is powerful here. This is Titus chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Paul wrote this. He says, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Look at this. I love this passage so much. The apostle Paul said, he said, as a Christian, if you believe in God, he said, Christian, you need to be careful that you maintain good works. He said, if you do Christian, he said, it is these, these things are good and profitable unto men. You know, if you exhibit good works in Christ, you will, you will get a reward in heaven for that. You know, uh, again, uh, it's profitable. Uh, God wants you to do good works. These things should be exemplified. I mean, should be coming out of your life. Uh, uh, I can tell a Christian and I can tell a hypocrite. I can, I can, I can see the difference. Uh, I, I can tell a person who's born again and he's exhibiting the works of Christ versus those that are not. As a Christian, this, this, this should be part of our MO. You know, he's a good person because he's born again. You know, he's exhibiting uh, the, the, uh, the, the attributes and the character of Christ. Uh, we as believers, we must exhibit this. Now look at this. I'm gonna give you another verse here. This is 1 Corinthians chapter nine here, verses uh, 16 and 17. I'm gonna read the text and I'm gonna talk about it afterwards. The apostle Paul wrote this. He said, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe, a curse is unto me, if I preach not the gospel. Listen to this. Listen, listen to what he says. He says, for if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. This is powerful, saints. The apostle Paul is telling us, he said, if I preach the gospel, he said, I, glory, I have nothing to glory of. You know, uh, this, this calling has been laid on my life. But the apostle said, uh, he said, but woe unto me if I preach, if, if I don't do what God has called me to do. Woe unto me, a curse is I if I preach not the gospel. There's a calling that God placed on him. And you know, so many of you are watching me today, there's callings upon your life. God have called you to do something for the kingdom of God. And are you allowing God to work through you? Uh, many believers, they saved, they're born again, but they're not allowing God to work in their lives. And then Paul goes on to say this. He says, for if I do this thing willing, if I do what God's called me to do, if I do it willingly, if I do it with a right heart, if I do it with a right motive, he says, if I do this thing willingly, Paul said, I have a reward. He said, but if I do it against my will, a dispensation. Dispensation means it's a period of time that will be held accountable to you. Uh, every one of us have some calling in our life. God have called every one of us to do, to do something. You may not be a preacher like I am, uh, like Pastor Tom. Uh, God may not call you to preach, but you have other gifts. You may be a writer. Uh, God may have given you the ability to write books and to articulate the gospel in writing. If that's your gift, let God use you and let that gift flow through your life. Uh, you may be in the technology field and God is using you uh, to help uh, the gospel go with technology. That's a gift that everybody don't have. Just let that gift flow, whatever the gift. You may be a singer that God have given you a gift to sing. Then let, let that gift flow in your life. And guess what? The Bible says if you do it willingly, you will have a reward. 
Now, we are continually looking here at uh, how will he judge? Now, what I want to do here, I'm going to go back to the text in 2 Corinthians 5.10. And what I'm going to do, I'm going I'm to read the text first, and then I'm going to quote from a book called Things to Come. So let me read the text first, and then I'll bring in the quote. Here's the text. The Apostle Paul said this in, in 2 Corinthians 5.10. He said, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. According, according to that he have done, whether it be good or bad. Now, a lot of times we look at that term bad and think it's talking about evil. But in the Greek, this word is kakos, which means worthless. Quoting from uh, Things to Come, Dr. J. Um, J. Dwight Pentecost, he said, The judgment is not to determine what is ethically good or evil, but rather that which is acceptable and that which is worthless. It is not the Lord's purpose here to chasten his children for their sins, but to reward their service for those things done in the name of the Lord. The term bad in the Greek is kakos, again, which means worthless. So in other words, some Christians have good works and some Christians have worthless works. Uh, we need to examine our work. We need to look circumspect in our lives and make sure that our motives are right behind what we are doing for the kingdom. Uh, you know, do you sing uh, just for the accolades of men or do you sing for the audience of one? Uh, do you preach uh, to be famous or do you preach because you're called of God and, and you want to do what God has called you to do? Listen, you want to make sure that your heart and your motives are right behind what you do for the kingdom. You know, uh, I want to make sure because I wanted to stand in heaven. I wanted to count uh, in heaven. Now, I want to take you to some verses here. I'm going to go in and out of these verses, but we're going to look at how will Christ judge our works. So I'm going to take you now to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 8 through 15. I'm going to start here at verse 8 and 9. I'm going to talk a little bit about it, and then we move on. So we're going to pick up uh, at verse number 8. The Apostle Paul wrote this, For he that planteth and he that watereth are one, uh, and every man shall receive his own reward, according to his own labor. For we, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's buildings. Now, I like this text so much. Here, the apostle Paul is letting us know, some of us in the kingdom, we are planting. Some of us are watering. But the Bible says God gives the increase. God gives all the increase. But he goes on to say, whatever you are doing in the kingdom, God will reward you for your personal labors. Yeah, God's going to reward you for your labors. You know, uh, there are many different gifts that God has given to the body of Christ. You know, some people are called as end-time financiers. They are, they are accountable to God to support the gospel and the kingdom. And, and if they do that uh, honorably, God's going to bless their labors uh, in giving. I mean, they have different gifts in the body. Uh, God's going to honor them for doing what God have called them to do. But Paul is saying here that we are workers together with God and God's going to use us in the kingdom. Uh, uh, one's planting, one's watering, uh, but God is going to reward us for our labors, for what God have called us to do. Now let's pick up, going look at verse number 10. Look what Paul wrote here. He says, he says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. Paul gives a warning. He says, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. 
For, our found, for other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, I love this passage here because here the Apostle Paul is saying, I'm a wise master builder. He said, I'm building a work for the kingdom of God. But listen what he says. I have laid the foundation. Now, what foundation he's talking about? The foundation that he's talking about, he's building upon is the foundation of Christ. You know, Christ will accept your works, but your works must be built on his, his foundation. In other words, you must be born again. You must be a Christian. You must be saved in order for God to accept your works. Paul said here, let, but let every man take heed how he builded on the foundation, on the foundation of Christ. Jesus is the foundation that we build, build on. Now, if a person is not born again, they may be doing good works, but guess what? Those good works won't stand in heaven. You know, there will be a lot of people that's going to stand before the white throne judgment. They were good people. They did a lot of good things. They were philanthropists. I mean, they gave money. Uh, they, they did all kinds of things, but they never accepted Jesus Christ. And guess what? Their good deeds will not stand in heaven. Uh, the only way Christ will accept your good works is that your works must be built on the foundation of Christ, meaning Jesus is the foundation that we build a, a life, a work, a ministry on. Uh, and that's the only way God will accept your works in heaven. Now, moving a little further here, we're going to look now at verses 12 and 11, and we're going to begin to, Paul's going to begin to break down even more how God, uh, how Christ will actually look at our works. So look at this. This is, uh, we're going to pick up, we're still in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses uh, uh, 8 through 15. We're going to look now at verse number 12 and 13. Paul said this, now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now, saints, this is powerful to me because as we see this text, what it lets us know that our works as Christians fall into one or two, one, one, or, one of two different categories. Either your works for Christ is considered gold, silver, precious stones works, all your works are considered wood, hay, and stubble. The Apostle Paul has given us a revelation about what's going to take place at the judgment seat. He says, every man's work shall be made manifest. What's going to happen when you stand for the judgment seat of Christ, you will stand there, but guess what? Your works will stand there as well. But the Bible says that your works will be made manifest. God is going to reveal the kind of works you had. The Bible goes on, it says, it says, because your works will be revealed by fire. The fire of God is going to try your works at the judgment seat. You know, when the fire hits my works, I want to make sure that my works are standing when the, when the smoke is clear and the dust settled. He's going to try your works. Listen to what he says, to see what sort it is. He's going to try your works. You know, that's why you want to make sure, saints, that whatever you do for the kingdom, you're doing it with the right heart and a right motive before God. You want your works to be considered uh, precious stone works, uh, gold, silver. You know, gold, silver, precious stone, they can stand the test of fire. As a matter of fact, when you burn gold, it just, it just refines it even more. You burn silver, it refines it even more. The dross comes out of it, and it just gets more pure and more pure as the fire hits it. Now, I want to share one thing with you. The one way you can guarantee yourself good works is to make sure everything you do, you do it with the love of Christ. You know why I say Because the Bible says love never fails. Love never fails. You make sure that whatever you're doing for the kingdom, that you're motivated by the love of God. You make sure that your works are considered uh, love works, uh, your motivation. I preach the gospel 
because I, I, I love humanity. Uh, I preach with passion because I love, I love the harvest. I love for people to come to Christ. You know where that love came from? It came from Christ. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not teaching because I'm, 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 I'm just required to do it. I'm doing it because I love to see people come to Christ. And guess what? I do it in love. I'll have a reward. Now, I want to take you now to verse number 14 and 15. We can look, we continue to looking at what Paul said as we are looking at how Christ would judge our works. Verse 14 and 15 says this, Paul said, if any man's work abide, which he buildeth thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire. Now, this is powerful here. Again, Apostle Paul is telling us, again, your work's going to be going to be judged. The fire of God will manifest. It's going to try your works in heaven at the judgment seat. You're standing there. Your works are standing there. The fire of heaven will hit it. And he said, if your works abide, what you've done for Christ, if your works abide in heaven, he said, you will have a reward. But he says, if your works are burned, he said, Christian, you will suffer loss, meaning you're going to lose your, you're going to lose any rewards that you have there. Now he said, and he was careful to say this, and I love this, but he shall be saved. You don't lose salvation. This judgment seat of Christ is not about your salvation. It's about your labors as a Christian after salvation. What are you doing for Christ as a believer? Are you allowing God to work in your life? Are you allowing Jesus uh, to do his will in your life? Again, many of us have been called of God and we've been running from the calling. You know, I met a person one time and said, yeah, God called me to preach, but I don't want to do it. I've been running from it. And I said to myself, I said, how, how, how do you do that? A loving God, the creator of all humanity has called you out of all people to preach the gospel and you run it from it? Guess what? Even as a Christian, you run from it, you still will be held accountable for it. When you stand for judgment of Christ, you're going to suffer loss because you should have done what God have called you to do. Every one of us as believers, we've been called to do something for the kingdom. You know, some people have a ministry of intercession. What that means is that God has given them a burden to pray for ministries. You know, I have different people that have contacted me throughout the years as I travel. Uh, one man told me, he said, Brother Perkins, God has called me to pray for your ministry. He said, I just feel a burden in my heart to lift you up. And it blessed my heart because I know that God is, he's covering us. I mean, there are people that have been called to pray for us. He understands his calling. He said, I'm an intercessor. I'm called to pray for you. And I know, I know that God helps us as we travel. My wife and I, we're on planes all the time. We travel uh, to and fro. We're going everywhere. And we, we're in planes that sometimes, you know, we have uh, major turbulence. I mean, I'm praying, Lord, you've called me on assignment. And I know people are praying for our safety as we travel. Listen, he's been called to pray. Many of you may have been called to pray. Pray for your pastor or pray for our ministries or whatever. We have all types of calling. Whatever God has called you to do, allow him to work in your life. Now, I want to quote here from the book. Uh, it's called uh, Your Eternal Reward by Dr. Erwin uh, Lutzer. Listen to what he says about the judgment. He said this, imagine looking into the face of Christ, just the two of you, one-on-one. -on -one. Your entire life is presented before him, I mean, before you. In a flash, you see what he sees. In a flash, you see what Jesus sees. Listen to what he says, no hiding no opportunity to put a better spin on what you did, no attorney to represent you. The look in his eyes says it all. You know something, that's how it's gonna be at the judgment seat of Christ. Many Christians are gonna come into the Bema seat room, the, 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 the judgment seat of Christ, 
And I'm going to tell you, it's going to be a very solemn uh, event. This is going to be in heaven, a very solemn event. We're going to come into, uh, into the throne room of Christ, and he's going to look at our works, our labor, and our service as a Christian. And you know something, like you said, you won't, you won't be able to put a spin on what you did. Jesus said, you know something, I called you, and I wanted to use you, but you never let me use you. You know, I wanted, I, wanted, I wanted to show you what I was going to do in your life, but you never gave me the opportunity. Now, you're saved, and I, I saved you. You're born again, but, but you never allowed me to work in your life. You know, I don't want that to be my case when I stand before heaven. You know, I want to make sure that I'm doing what he's called me to do. Uh, I, I've yielded to the calling in my life. You know, uh, this uh, uh, July of this year made, uh, made 39 years of ministry for my wife and I. Uh, we've been studying and teaching Bible prophecy. God called me to do this. You know, I meet, I meet people uh, I haven't seen, haven't seen in years, and they tell me, Brother Perkins, are you still teaching that prophecy stuff? Yes, I've been called to teach Bible prophecy. This is my calling. I want to do what God has called me to do. And yes, I'm still doing what God's called me to do. By God's grace, I want to serve the body of Christ because this is my calling. Uh, I've, I've had some guys come to me, Brother Perkins, when are you going to start your church? Well, I'm not a pastor. Uh, God has called me to travel and teach. Uh, I'm, I'm a traveling evangelist. Uh, I teach the prophetic word. Uh, I'm not called to pastor a church. I'm not called to do it. I know I'm not called to do it. I'm called to do what I'm doing. And, and they say, well, you know, they, I guess they figure you're not qualified if you're not a pastor. But, you know, I'm doing what God has called me to do. You, know, you may have heard the, say, heard, heard the statement, uh, you want to stay in your lane. See, I want to stay in my lane. I'm called to teach in time Bible prophecy. You know, I'm not called as a singer. I'm not a singer. Now, there are some preachers who can sing. I'm not one of those preachers that, do, that does solos. Okay, I, I can sing with you, but I'm not, I'm not a soloist. I'm not called to do that. I'm called to preach the gospel. And by God's grace, this is exactly what I want to do. Now, Dr. Lucer, he closed this quote by saying this, like it or not, like it or not, uh, that is precisely where you and I will someday be. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone uh, may be recompensed for his deeds in his body. We're going to give account to Christ for what we do as a, as a, uh, as a, as a Christian. Now, uh, in the same chapter, 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 11 says something even more strong. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.11, Paul said, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord... We persuade men. See, the judgment seat of Christ, guess what? It's going to be a terrible for some men. When you stand before Christ and give an account for your labors and you know that you didn't allow God to work through you, it's going to be a terror. Now, you won't lose salvation, but boy, you will be embarrassed at the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, the Bible is quite clear what's going to happen. Now, let's move a little forward. And what I'm going to do now, I'm watching my time. I'm, I'm seeing where I need to be. Uh, I want to deal now with rewards uh, that that we can obtain. And we as Christians, we can't obtain rewards. So I'm gonna look here at rewards that we can obtain. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna give you a verse here, first found in, <coughs> excuse me, First uh, Corinthians chapter nine, verse number 24. The apostle Paul wrote this, he says, "'Know ye not that, that they which run in a race run all, "'but one receiveth the prize.'" The apostle Paul, he said, "'So run, that you may obtain. I love this verse. I love this verse so much. Paul is telling us here, Christian, you're running a race. He said, but you know, only one's going to receive the prize. So all of us are running to receive the prize. Look at, he says, run. He said, so run Christian 
that you may obtain a reward, a reward. Do what God has called you to do that you might obtain a reward. Well, guess what? There are some rewards that we can obtain as believers. Now, I want to show you a picture. This is uh, found in the book. Of, we're looking at the book of Matthew, chapter uh, 19, verse 27. And here, uh, this is an amazing thing that happened. Peter is asking Jesus a question. So look at this. Uh, this is Matthew 19, 27. Then answered Peter and said unto him, unto Jesus. Look what Peter said. Behold, we have forsaken all and follow thee. Peter said, what shall we have thereof? Now, this is amazing here. Peter's told Jesus, Lord, we've forsaken all. We give them everything and Lord, we're following you. So God, what are we going to have for following you? Now, most of us would think where well, Jesus would have rebuked him. Peter, you selfish. You know, Peter, what, what, you know, what do you mean? Why are you asking me this kind of question? But Jesus didn't get upset with Peter. He just answered the question. So I'm going to take you now to verse 28. Look what Jesus told Peter in verse 28 of chapter 19. And Jesus said unto them, verily, I say unto you that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the son of man shall sit in the, in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Here, Jesus tells me you're going to be rewarded for your labors. You're going to be rewarded for your service. Peter asked the Lord, what, what are we going to get out the deal? We've given up everything for you. What, what are we going to get? Jesus said, hey, you, 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 you hang with me till the regeneration? He said, you're going, to, you're going to sit up on thrones and you're going to judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Not only will they judge, but we also will be uh, judges. We're going to see that uh, in the scriptures. So I want to show you here that there are five rewards that we can obtain. And I'm going to go through this list pretty fast, but I'm going to show you there are five rewards that every believer can obtain. The first one is called the crown uh, of uh, the incorruptible crown. Uh, scholars call it the victor's crown. This found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses uh, 24 and 25, but it's called the incorruptible crown. This is one of those crowns, the victor's crowns for believers. Uh, you stay faithful to God, and, and this is a victor's crown. Uh, it's an incorruptible crown for, for the righteous. Now, let's, let me show you the next crown. Uh, another crown is called the crown of rejoicing. Uh, this crown is called the soul winner's crown. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. As you win souls, uh, those souls will appear in heaven uh, before God. You get a reward for them. The Bible says you get a reward for the people that you get saved. You know, it's going to be beautiful. Uh, uh, now, let me give you the next crown. The next crown is called the crown of life. Now, this crown is called uh, the martyr's crown. These are for those who, who die for Christ. You know, they, uh, they literally, literally have a testimony uh, uh, and they die for Christ. Uh, they will literally uh, receive a crown. And this is found in James chapter uh, 1, verse 12, and Revelation chapter uh, 2, verse 10. Uh, this is this is the crown. Uh, this is the this is the yeah, this is the reward crown uh, for believers. It's called the crown of life. Uh, many people have died uh, a martyr's death, and as a result of that, uh, they're going to have a reward in heaven. Again, now everybody won't get this crown. You know, uh, I remember a time uh, I made a statement in one of my meetings. I, I said I'm going for all the crowns, and my daughter said, Dad, don't go for all the crowns. She's thinking about the martyr's crown. You know. Uh, and it, I thought it was really uh, comforting to think about my daughter's concern about me. But, you know, some will obtain the martyr's crown. Now, let me give you the next crown. Let's look at look at the screen here. Uh, the next crown is called the crown of righteousness. Uh, some scholars call this the crown of anticipation. Uh, we find this in Second Timothy, chapter four, verse number eight. Now, what this is, uh, this this crown 
This crown is uh, for those who anticipate the coming of Jesus. Listen, if you long for the Savior's return, if you're looking for Jesus to come back, guess what? There's a crown for you. It's called the crown of anticipation. You are longing for the Lord's return. I'm longing for his return. I'm ready for Jesus to come back today. I make the statement all the time, Jesus, you can come and interrupt my day. You can interrupt whatever I'm doing anytime you want to. I'm longing for you. I'm looking for you. I'm longing for the rapture, saints. I'm ready for this event to take place. I'm longing to go into the presence of my Lord. He can interrupt my day, but if you are looking for his return, the Bible says you have a reward. Now, let me give you this last crown here. It's called the crown of glory. Uh, this is found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 4. Scholars call it the elder's crown, and this is the crown for service, uh, the elder's crown. Again, this is just five crowns uh, that the Bible talks about. Now, there are other rewards that we'll obtain. Uh, I also believe that we'll obtain rewards of leadership for doing the millennial kingdom. Uh, Jesus promised us rewards of leadership if we do what God has called us to do. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to take you to the book of Revelation, and I'm going to show you another reward that Jesus promised those that, that allow him to work in their lives and those that allow him to, to, to bring to fruition what he's called them to do. I love this, and this is, this is a reward that's promised to the church. Every one of us can obtain this. This is Revelation chapter 2. Verses 26 and 27, Jesus said this, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to sheavers, even as I have received of the Father. Now, this is a promise that Jesus has promised every believer. If you overcome, he said, I'm going to give it to you that you'll have power over the nations. The scripture has promised that we're going to reign with Christ. Uh, the Bible says if we, if we endure, we shall reign with him. We're going to literally reign with him. Not only that, but we're going to rule with a rod of iron, just like Christ ruled with a rod of iron. Uh, this term, ruling with a rod of iron, iron simply means we're going to reign. We're going to rule with Christ. Christ's going to rule with a rod of iron, but he promised us if we overcome, that we'll also rule with that same authority. Uh, during the millennial kingdom, we that are raptured and gone to the judgment seat of Christ and have gone to the marriage supper of the Lamb, we're going to come back with Christ upon white horses uh, uh, in the second coming, going into the battle of Armageddon, going into the millennial kingdom. We, the glorified, will be the ruling class who will help Christ rule and reign during that time. We're going to literally reign with Christ. Again, this is a promise that he's promised uh, every believer. Now, let me give you another verse. Look at this one. This is Revelation chapter 4, verse number 10. Here the Bible says here, The four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat upon the throne. This is Revelation chapter 4 in heaven. Uh, who, who, him that sat on the throne and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns uh, before the throne. And look at this picture. I love this picture so much. Uh, a wonderful artist, uh, 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 from Revelation, Revelation Illustrated. This is the artist, uh, just a wonderful artist here, but this is a wonderful picture here of, of, of what's going to happen in heaven. These are the elders. Uh, they have crowns upon their head, but they're going to cast those crowns before, before the Savior. You know, this is what I want to do. Uh, the reason why I want the crowns, I want the crowns so I can lay these crowns back at my Savior's feet as a gift. Again, some people won't have those crowns. They, all they're going to have the fact that Jesus saved them and they're in heaven, but they did nothing for the kingdom. They did nothing for Jesus. Jesus saved them, and they did nothing. And, and not, not, don't get me wrong, salvation is great, though. You got to understand, you're not going to hell. That's beautiful. 
Uh, if you lose in rewards, you want to definitely lose them before the judgment seat of Christ because you're still guaranteed heaven because the work of Christ. But how sweet would it be to be able to have a crown or some crowns that you can lay at his feet as a reward back to him? Lord, I thank you for service. You know, the Bible said that these that these elders, they they uh, they cast their crowns. And the Bible said these elders, they they would give glory to Christ. Uh, look, look at the text here. Go, uh, uh, I'm going to bring this, bring it back up on the screen there. Revelation chapter four, verse 11 says, uh, this is, this is what they are saying to Jesus. They said, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. These elders in heaven will literally cast their crowns before the savior. They're going to cast their crowns before the Savior. And again, this is going to be us as we, uh, as we uh, receive those crowns, we're going to, we're going to lay those crowns uh, before our Savior's uh, feet. Now, uh, we're going to be you know, coming to a close here. Uh, but what I'm going to do now, I want to show you that there's a difference between the judgments. Uh, we're going to see that there's a judgment called the judgment seat of Christ. And there's a judgment called the great white throne. What has happened in the church today, there have been many, many problems, many confusions about the judgment. Uh, a lot of people believe that all Christians will be judged at the great white throne, but that's not true. We won't be judged at the great white throne. We will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ, but the unredeemed, those who didn't receive Christ, they will appear before the uh, great white throne judgment. These are two different distinct judgments uh, in scripture. So I want to first give you a, a, a wonderful verse found in Hebrews 9:27. The writer of Hebrews said this, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Listen, everybody uh, will appear before the judgments. Either you're born again. Now if you're born again, your judgment is set. You're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. If you're not born again, uh, your judgment is set as well. But you're going to stand before the white throne judgment. And again, we're going to see that these are two distinct judgments in heaven. And you want to make sure that you're standing before the right, the right, uh, right judgment. So again, I'm going to bring in my prophecy chart again. And again, we're looking here. This is the judgment seat of Christ. This is for all believers. All Christians will appear there. But this is the other judgment, the great white throne judgment. You don't want to appear here to be judged. Everyone who here, who is here will be judged by God. As I said earlier, you want to be judged by Christ and not being judged by God, because at the white throne judgment, this is a judgment, uh, a judgment of, 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 of condemnation. And again, this is going to be a, uh, a, a, a judgment that's like none other uh, at the judgment seat. So now, what I want to do here, uh, uh, if they bring me back to the screen, uh, I want to explain what I'm about to do. Uh, what I'm going to do now, I'm, I'm going to bring up, I'm going to put both judgments on the screen. And then what I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about the judgment seat, Versus the white throne judgment. I'm going to show you what's going to happen in the judgment seat and then what's going to happen in the great white throne. We're going to see both of these judgments and it's going to give us some clarity. So we're going to look now at this little, this, little, this little diagram. So at the judgment seat of Christ, it will only be for Christians. At the great white throne, it will only be for sinners or the unredeemed. Those who have not received Christ or given their life uh, to God. At the judgment seat of Christ, some will lose rewards, but they're still saved. At the great white throne judgment, everyone here will be eternally lost. At the judgment seat of Christ, Jesus Christ will be the judge at this time. He will reside over that judgment. Uh, at the great white throne, God the Father will be the judge. That's why it's called the great white 
throne judgment of God. Uh, at the judgment seat of Christ, those here will live forever with Christ, meaning you're still saved, you're born again. At the great white throne, those here will live forever in the lake of fire. They will go to hell. They, uh, everybody at the white throne judgment will be eternally uh, lost and damned. Now, uh, at the judgment seat of Christ, saints will, will be there in their glorified bodies. So we'll be raptured, we're glorified, we're going to appear before Christ. But at the white throne judgment, the Bible said that they will have bodies fitted unto damnation. Uh, now, uh, those bodies, those bodies there will be uh, eternal bodies. Uh, when, when mankind goes into the judgment, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be uh, eternal. Uh, just like uh, uh, when we step into the eternal world, it's going to be eternal for the righteous. When the unredeemed goes into the eternal, uh, eternal world called hell, uh, that's going to be eternal as well. Both judgments will be, will be set and both judgments will be eternal. You know, the judgment seat of Christ is an amazing uh, judgment. Uh, a lot of a lot of people have never heard of the teaching. Uh, it's not taught a lot. But I think every Christian needs to understand the judgment seat of Christ. I think every believer needs to understand uh, that he's going to be held accountable for his works as a Christian. You know, when I found out about the judgment seat of Christ and that I'm going to be held accountable for what I do for Christ, you know something? It changed my perspective. It gave me a whole different perspective on my walk for Christ. You know, I could no longer just take it easy. The old saying is taking it easy in Zion. You know, uh, uh, you, you know, just taking it easy. I'm saved, you know, so I'm saved uh, by grace and not of works, lest any man should boast. And a lot of people have used that to do nothing for the kingdom of God. I want to tell you, don't be a lazy believer. As a Christian, as I shared earlier, we should, we should be zealous about good works, the scripture says we must, we must be careful to maintain good works. It is profitable for us. Uh, the Bible said we've been created for good works. As a Christian, as a believer, you should be doing something for the kingdom of God. And I say to you today, if you don't know what God has called you to do, you need to pray. Simply ask him, God, uh, why did you save me? Lord, what is your purpose for my life? And guess what? God will begin to reveal you, reveal to you his purpose and his plan for your life. He will give you uh, uh, understanding as to what he's called you to do. Every one of us have something to do for the kingdom of God. You know, uh, God, he, he, he could have saved you and raptured you immediately. He could have saved you and, and took, taken you out of here, but he didn't do it. He saved you. He saved me. He saved us to serve. Now, I want to give you one more verse here. Uh, uh, this verse is found in Colossians chapter 3. And look what the Apostle Paul admonished and says here. Listen to what he says. And whatsoever you, ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and to the Father by him. Uh, a powerful passage, powerful passage. He says, whatsoever you do for the kingdom, whatsoever you do for God, uh, in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. Make sure what you're doing is what God have called you to do. Make, make sure you are doing exactly what Father God have called you to do. Because guess what? I mean, you're going to be held accountable for it. Like Paul said, he said, uh, I, I, don't, I can't glory in what I'm called to do. Uh, necessity has been laid upon me. God have called me to be an apostle. And he was an apostle to the Gentiles. God, God called him. Paul said, he said, if I do this thing willingly, if I do this thing willingly, he said, I'm going to have a reward. If I do it willingly, uh, I can expect a reward when I get to heaven. 
You know, if I serve God and do, do what God has called me to do willingly, like Paul, you know, I will have a reward. And listen, if you do what God has called you to do, you do it with a right heart and a right motive, guess what, saints? You will have a reward too. You know, God has said some wonderful things before us. And again, these are gifts and, 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 you know, he didn't have to give us anything else. I mean, he's given us life and, he, and salvation, but he chose to put, put a little carrot out there. I'm going to give you a little bit more for you, uh, 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 you know, uh, yielding to me. I'm going to bless you for allowing me to work in your life. I want to say to you today, if, you, if you're here and you're watching and you're not born again, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. It's so simple. If you receive Jesus Christ today as your Savior, guess what? You're born again, and then you'll stand before him in, uh, in glory. Uh, if you receive Christ today, then your works, he'll, give you, uh, he'll allow you to work, do good works in your life uh, that will guarantee you rewards in heaven. But the key first is coming to Christ. If you don't know him, simply accept him today. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. You, you want to receive him today? Just simply call on him. Believe on his death, burial, and resurrection. As you receive Christ and you believe on him, he will, he will remove the stain of sin uh, that's on your life that you were born with because of Adam. And you'll be born again. And guess what? Going forward, you will exhibit good works that will stand in the portals of heaven. You know, it's been an honor and a privilege for me to, uh, to be with you today uh, in Pastor Tom's uh, stead. I, I never take for granted this opportunity uh, to be here. Now, he also uh, uh, asked me, he always allowed me to, to present some of our materials. So what I want to do here in closing, I want to bring in a few of our materials that we have. And again, you can go to our website. I'm going to bring them in the screen. Uh, we have a wonderful series that we're doing. It's entitled Understanding the Book of Revelation. And here I, I'm, I'm presenting, we have eight different DVDs. That's 24 of our TV programs. Uh, we're still going forward now. We're up to DVD number 14. Uh, you can actually get those DVDs uh, at our website. But we have this, this full series here. Uh, this is part one in this series. And it's 24 programs, and you can order the others afterwards. Uh, as well, we also have it in a USB format where you can get it there. And then the message that I've just presented to you. We do have it here. Uh, it's called the Judgment Seat of Christ. You can go in-depth uh, to, uh, to, to get that whole message. Uh, we also have a, a, a manual. We call it Bible Prophecy, God's Order of Events. Uh, we have a, a user-friendly guide and, and our Bible Prophecy chart in the back of it. Uh, you, can, you, can, you can also uh, go to our website. We have a brand new chart, our Bible Prophecy chart. We now have it in Spanish. I've had a lot of Spanish pastors. Brother Perkins, can I get that prophecy chart in Spanish? Well, we do have it now in Spanish. Uh, you can get it from our website. And then if you want to go to our website, it is www.according2prophecy.org. Uh, we have a Facebook presence as well as Twitter. Uh, we're also now on Parlor. You can, you, can, you can find us there as well. Uh, we're part of the uh, Truly Family Entertainment Network as, as, far as, as well as our YouTube channel. And then we have a weekly program that airs every Thursday evening, Pacific Coast time, 7.30 on his channel called Your Future in Bible Prophecy. Now, it's been an honor and a privilege to stand here today in Pastor Tom's stead. Again, like I said earlier, I never take for granted uh, this opportunity. I want to thank you for joining us this evening, and I hope we've shared something that has stirred your heart, that has motivated your heart. Again, we thank you, and again, uh, we'll see you next time. God bless. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, 
DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.